welcome, welcome to Freaked Out with your co-hosts, Liz and Landon. What's up, everybody? I am very excited to announce that we hit 15,000 followers on the podcast this week. Woohoo! To me, that is progress, and it makes for a very celebratory episode. So this is a pretty special case to Catherine specifically, and since she's been helping out so much, we asked for her in this particular case to, you know, tell us somebody who she wanted to connect to, and this was who she had chosen, Ariel Jeffrey Kukau. We also want to mention that we have enjoyed focusing on the Black History Month We both learned so much about things that we had no idea were even going on. We are going to continue every single day to make sure that these cases get the exposure that they need. So with that being said, although we are doing really great in the sense of the podcast itself, we need to get even more listeners involved and we need you guys to add your friends to our Facebook group. Tell your friends about this podcast, speak about it, tell your family members, Whoever you want to tell, just keep talking about it so that we can keep bringing closure and details to all these cases, even if it's just getting exposure all over again. Let's make year number two even bigger. Exactly. Now this case is in relation to Ariel Jeffrey Cacao, and there is not a lot of details out in the world surrounding this case. In fact, because it is located in Montreal, there is barely any videos and not really anything in English either. So there's very little details. I feel as though that this child did not make the headlines that he needed to in order to get the case out there in a bigger way. At the time, Liz was located in Ontario and she hadn't even heard of it either. So we figured that we are coming into this with some pretty fresh eyes. Absolutely. Now, the less detail we have, the less I can figure out. But I want to get right into this one. Now, Ariel Jeffrey was born January 2nd, 2008. And at the time of his disappearance, he was only 10 years old. He had left home on March 11th, 2018. His parents had given him permission to go and play with his friend Lucas because it was a scheduled day off of school. Ariel's mother had class and his father was working so that the 10-year-old boy had to walk himself for the first time. However, Lucas did not live far from Ariel and Ariel had walked that short distance accompanied by an adult multiple times before. Ariel had left at approximately 10 a.m. This was confirmed by a family friend who was staying with them at the time. And 4 p.m., Ariel's mother had headed to Lucas's place only to learn that Ariel had not been there and he was reported missing shortly after. I really don't want to come down on the family in this capacity, but if a family friend was at the house at the time, the child was fairly old enough to walk on their own, but the day and age that we live in, why didn't this family friend just walk this child down the street? Like, why wasn't that even an option if the parents weren't home? Absolutely. We like to try to dissect the case as much as we can, regardless of who is involved or what took place. But that is a good question. If the friend's staying in the home with the family, why not be assisting and taking the kid where they need to be as the parents are no longer in the home at the time? It just doesn't make sense to me. Absolutely. My other curiosity was why didn't Lucas or Lucas's family realize that the child was not even appeared to be at their home? They just assume the child was just not coming to me if I was a parent in this particular situation or even just a friend and my friend just didn't come over. I would kind of be wondering what was up with that. It's nobody's fault, of course, obviously, but we just need to be mindful in these situations. We have to check with other parents as well. Absolutely. There has been several footage and witnesses reporting that Ariel had gone to certain locations. However, the timelines from the footage 
And these witnesses are difficult to follow and do not necessarily match with what is actually accurate. I know that people are trying to be helpful and come forward with any details they have surrounding, you know, seeing kids, but I do not feel as though a lot of these witnesses are credible in seeing him. In fact, they may have seen him at some point. I just don't feel as though these particular witnesses, at least most of them, were accurate on the time frames. Well, in one footage released to the public shows Ariel walking to his friend's house and turning around twice without stopping his walk. Another footage from a garage shows him still walking towards his friend's house. Now, we watched the footage of both, and he definitely seemed to be distracted. I was trying to get a read on him to see if I can pick up on any energy as to where he might be going, but from the looks of it, the intention was to go straight to Lucas's. A credible witness said that she saw and even spoke to Ariel in the park around 11.25 a.m. She mentioned that the young boy seemed sad and not knowing it was a day off. She was concerned as to why he was there during the day instead of being at school. It was also confirmed the area was outside of his friend's house around noon. Since the neighbor and another witness saw him knocking on the front door with a football, Ariel did not have his football in the two videos mentioned above, though. Now, this witness, I believe, not to say that I don't believe the other ones, I just feel like there's a couple of things that are kind of off on the conversation. I feel like she could have pressed him a little bit more, but, you know. I keep picking up, though, that Ariel had gone to the home, you know, knocked on the door, nobody answered, and decided to hang out at the park and do his due diligence to, you know, try to keep an eye and see if Lucas was in fact home yet. And I think he was going to kind of hang out there until he got home. Yep, that makes much more sense to me. Obviously, the family could not have known that Ariel was coming because nobody was even home. This is the part where If I was the parent, it's hard because we want to trust that our children are going to do as they're told. He looks like he's a very smart kid, doesn't look like he got involved in any sort of trouble. So he just wanted to hang out while he waited for his friend to come home, which is probably what he was confused about. Maybe Lucas was like, yeah, come over. And then Lucas's family maybe had some other plans. Yeah. There's also footage of him at the park, which has not been released to the public And there's also no evidence that he left the park. During the initial search in Montreal, police came through the wooded area and used icebreakers on the river, which runs along the park's north shore. One month later, police ended their river search, saying that the water had become too dangerous for divers. A full-scale search of the neighborhood also yielded no trace of this boy. Police said that Ariel fell into the river and drowned while his parents insisted he was abducted. Ariel was last seen wearing a black coat with a hood, gray pants, and yellow shoes. He was described to be as four foot six. He has brown eyes, black hair, and speaks French. And that is all we really have on this case. Now, this is going to be a challenging one, but we will do our absolute best to come up with answers here. All right, the first question we have here for you today is, do you feel as though Ariel drowned? And do you feel like he is no longer with us? I really hate to be one of these people that provide false hope at times, unless I'm 100% certain. When I had originally looked at this case, I was not able to connect to Ariel in any capacity. And five months later, I'm still not able to connect with him in any capacity. And we all know what that means. It normally means that they're still alive. There isn't any report indicating that they did a search again in the summertime, though. 
If they could try to find him in the water later on, I'm not sure if they did anything in relation to that, but I'm pretty sure it's routine, but nothing was ever found. I agree with that. I also feel like it would have been routine for them to go back and look in the water again when the weather got better. And I mean, it was only March, so it wouldn't take too much longer for the summer months to come just to provide the family closure since the police are making that statement that he drowned. I understand that the police have to come to that conclusion because there's no footage of him leaving the park. There probably isn't even footage out there with, you know, a suspicious character being in the park either. The police probably think that he was playing on the icy snow area and then just assumed he fell in. Absolutely not. I don't feel like that could be accurate in any capacity. In fact, I feel as though he may have been at the park into the late hours of the night. And I'm not getting all the facts, which is incredibly frustrating, but I'm going to basically tell you guys what I see. So you do not believe that he drowned? Do you believe that somebody took him then? Now, I keep envisioning Ariel just wanting to hang out with his friends. And I keep seeing that he kept looking over his shoulders to see if his friends are approaching the park. They may even have made a comment about going to the park to play. So he assumed that Lucas would arrive back home and he would ultimately meet him there. And that was initially the plan. So I keep seeing he kept looking back to where he had initially come from, hoping Lucas would make his way to him. Other than this lady at the park, were there any other people that were communicating with him? He may have been playing with a kid, even feel as though the kid maybe even knew Lucas. I feel as though this kid may have also had headed back in the direction of where Lucas lives. And I feel like the kid even told Ariel he would let Lucas know that he was waiting in the park for him. I do not feel as though this kid ended up talking to Lucas, though. And I feel like he got distracted or his mother called him home. It was a very small window of opportunity. But I feel like that is one of the only reasons that Ariel ended up staying at the park a little longer. He was probably getting cold as well. Oh, yeah, definitely cold. Now, when I close my eyes, I keep seeing him playing with a couple of different balls. And I'm not, in fact, sure if there was a football involved or not, but he was definitely doing something in that manner. And from what I see, he was really good at sports. So he had the ability to move pretty quickly. And he actually had some pretty good moves. Do you see this woman at all approaching him in the park? I do see that she approached him, and I do feel as though he was a little weary of her. Not to say that he didn't know her or recognize her, but from what I gather, he didn't want to give too much detail as to what he was doing, because, you know, I think he was worried that he'd get in trouble for being at the park. From what I gather, he was comfortable enough to communicate with her, but he also didn't want to talk to her too much, because she may, you know, run home and tell his mom. He didn't want to go home. He wanted to play with his friend. That may be why he was acting a little upset because he was worried that this woman would go home and tell his mom that he was at the park and he just wasn't ready. Exactly. I would agree with that. Do you feel as though anyone else approached him? Yep. I keep seeing this big puffy bomber jacket. I I, I know one of these, I, I used to wear them back in the day and I keep seeing that this man was dressed pretty nicely actually. I feel as though he was wearing a toque and he was wearing nice shoes. I feel like he had an African-American ethnicity. I also feel as though Ariel felt comfortable around this man. So I don't necessarily feel like Ariel knew him, but perhaps they had some things in common. Their sporting abilities, perhaps. I feel as though the two of them were communicating for a couple of minutes, but I feel like this guy was creeping around Ariel for a period of time. I don't necessarily feel like this guy had been following him around, but maybe he had seen him a little earlier. I keep getting the sense that the first footage of him walking and turning on the way to Lucas's house, I feel like there may have been some interaction or some some sort of communication there. And I also feel like Ariel left with him in his vehicle. 
Do we know why Ariel left with him? I'm going to say that this man and Ariel had communicated a teeny tiny bit. And I feel like Ariel was basically telling him he was waiting for his friend. I feel as though this man told him a couple of things like it's getting cold outside. He could definitely try to help him out. And secondly, I feel like he said something like, hey, if Lucas isn't going to come to you, let's go to him. Now, from what I can see, this guy also did speak French. I do feel as though his French was, uh, you know, broken. He didn't speak well. And I'm going to say that there's definitely some sort of connection to a French family. It's very possible that this man maybe grew up in Montreal. I don't feel as though he lives in Montreal now, though. And he may have some family members there. Maybe that's the reason he was kind of out in that area. So why were they not able to find any sort of footage showing Ariel going off with this particular gentleman or anyone for that matter? That is one of the biggest pieces that I am very, very confused about, which has me second-guessing everything. But I feel as though there is a reason that the footage has not been released to the public. Not necessarily that him specifically, you know, on the camera, but there might be details of people coming in and out of the park, and they may question certain things surrounding the disappearance. By the way, the name of the park is pronounced Boatman's Park in English. I do not want to butcher the name of the park in French, but that is the name of the park and you guys can look it up on your own end if you would like to. From the looks of it, there are multiple ways in and out of this park and from the pictures we are looking at, we were able to determine that cars could go in and out of this park. So the theory of him not leaving the park based on the footage because he didn't come out of the park alone isn't necessarily accurate. I wholeheartedly agree with you. I feel like the police don't want to believe that somebody kidnapped this child because that's a whole different type of case. But I really do see that he left this park and I see that he did not leave this park alone. I also heard that this little boy was afraid of water. So why would a little boy who's afraid of water head towards water and play on it? Especially in the winter. I felt as though this man had a pretty nice vehicle. In fact, I feel like he had nice clothes, a nice phone, a nice watch. Everything seemed to be pretty flashy. Even his vehicle was pretty flashy. I don't necessarily feel like it was a crazy color or anything along those lines. I would say the car was black, but I do feel like there was some sort of Escalade vibes from it. I'm not entirely sure, though. Definitely tinted out windows, and I keep seeing Ontario plates, which is another reason why I'm very angry that this case did not go anywhere, because... I lived in Ontario at the time, and I feel as though if we had gotten this sort of detail about this case in a bigger way, it could have helped out a lot. Absolutely. The Kardashians can do videos about what kind of lipstick color they're going to wear to the ball, but you don't see any of them take the time to assist children or to put it out there globally that there was a kid missing or that there is a bigger issue in the world. It just goes to show you what matters in the world versus what really doesn't matter in the world. These people are influencers, so why don't they influence their followers to take some time out of their own lives and help some sort of greater cause? That's just my opinion. (laughs) You would think, though, right? It doesn't always have to be, you know, blown up. But every once in a while, do something to help people in the world. It's gross on how many times and how many people don't get involved in things like this. They don't want to deal with it. But this is the reality of our life. This is the reality of what we live in. It's not always happy and sunshiny. I absolutely agree with that. I feel like influencers, everybody needs to get their popularity and influence the world to do better, greater things instead of the nonsense we focus on. Specifically, 
black cases. Oh, yeah. I do want to put out there that I feel like this man does not have any intention of hurting or harming Ariel. In fact, I feel like he didn't even have any intention of really taking this child until he started to speak to him. Now, I don't know why, but I feel like this guy may have lost his child, and I don't feel like the child is dead or anything along those lines, but perhaps maybe in relation to a custody battle or something. I feel like this man wanted a son. I feel like he wanted to give him a life that he felt would be better for him. I keep seeing that although Ariel has been taken from his home and his life for the last five years, I feel as though he hasn't ever had any sort of physical injury or harmed or sexualized. I just keep seeing that this man wanted to do it over. And instead of going out in the world and getting somebody else pregnant or adopting his own child, I feel like the choice he made was to just take Ariel. So did Ariel willingly leave with him? Yeah. Now, obviously, this guy didn't tell Ariel what his plan was, and he didn't tell him, hey, I want to kidnap you and take him back to my place. I can give you a better life. No, I feel as though he told Ariel that he would help him out. I feel as though Ariel did get a bit panicky once this guy started to drive onto the highway away from his home and his friends, but I feel like Ariel had some sort of convincing to go with the guy in the sense of something cool, something sport-related. I would say he may have even offered him some really expensive shoes. Okay, well, let's try to dissect that a little bit. This man had some money, obviously, at the time that he abducted this child, so he had no interest in placing Ariel in any sort of sex trafficking ring or anything along those lines. He was just simply looking for a child to make his own. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, he has a child around Ariel's age, and I feel like he lost this child really due to a custody thing. I don't necessarily feel like this man was bad. I mean, I do feel as though he's cracked (laughs) and he had seen Ariel. He knew, you know, in his mind that he wanted to do this. And I feel as though he owns his own business. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but I'd say it has something to do with vehicles, maybe repainting, spraying something, maybe souping them up a bit because I do feel like he had a, a pretty souped up car. So obviously he seems to be a bit of a social person. How would he get away with just taking this child and hiding him from the rest of the world? Now, I feel as though in that moment, he didn't necessarily care too much about those details, but I feel as though he had the similar face to his child. I keep seeing Ariel was not happy about the situation, obviously, wanting to go back to his own family, but this guy seemed to be pretty convincing and pretty convincing story. Although Ariel didn't believe it at first, I do see as though Ariel believed it a little bit later on. I even feel as though he changed Ariel's name. I keep seeing he told Ariel that his parents were in danger and that he needed to go into some sort of witness protection program and to make sure he stayed safe. I even feel as though he went as far as saying that the parents had died. Imagine telling a 10-year-old that their parents are dead and when in reality they're still alive and well and looking for him. Pretty much. I know it's pretty messed up, but I feel like this child has been taken away from a social avenue. I feel like this guy knew people who could make like fake passports, fake identities, And I feel as though this child did spend a significant amount of time in Toronto. I feel like this guy lived in Toronto and I feel like the business was also in Toronto. I feel like this was ultimately where they ended up staying. And I feel as though he even enrolled his child in some sort of online schooling. I feel like that's how they live their life. I keep seeing a name, Devante, and I don't know if the name is related to Ariel or the other man, but that's the name that's been popping up. 
So you made a few statements that I have some questions on. You said that the man had a business in Toronto, and you also said that they no longer are in Toronto. How long were they in Toronto, and does he still have that business there? I'm going to say that they stayed in the Toronto area until about January 2020. I would say right before COVID came, I feel as though he was getting really worried that somebody may recognize Ariel. He might have had a situation. I feel as though he was worried for quite a few things. I do see his business was failing before COVID came by. And then because of COVID, I feel as though he and Ariel decided to flee the country. I feel like he had taken his fake passport and Ariel's fake passport, which put him at 12 years old at the time. Ariel's hair was much longer. I feel as though he had it styled. He's very, very tall now, and I feel like he's still very much attached to sports. I don't necessarily feel like he's gotten much time doing sport activities because, let's face it, he was kidnapped, and up and until 2020, he really didn't do anything. Once they were able to cross over the border, I feel as though Ariel was able to have a bit of a life again after COVID, of course, and although his family has been left behind, he has a lot of confusion still to this day about it, and I feel like he is alive and well and honestly not physically suffering, just confused. So he was able to cross into the USA. Do we know where in the USA? I'm going to say it's more of a warm location. I don't necessarily feel like it's always snowing, but it's a much lighter balance of weather over there. I do not feel as though either one of them go by their own names. Is there anything else that particularly is sticking out in this case? Absolutely. Now, this woman, well, there's actually a few women, but let's talk about this woman first. This man has an ex-wife, and his ex-wife has at least one son about Ariel's age. He wasn't an abusive man to the child, and he definitely was somebody who struggled to keep their emotions in, and from what I can see, he was verbally and mentally abusive towards this woman. I do feel as though he was pretty controlling, which makes sense. He stole a child. And from what I can see, she had very valid reasons as to why she fought him on custody. But as soon as this took place, he snapped. There may even be a little girl involved as well. They might have been a few years older than the son, but I don't necessarily feel like this girl is related to this kidnapper. I do feel as though right before COVID hit, I'm going to say this one child that he is biologically related to his son wanted to see him. I feel like the mother took some time before she allowed it to happen. I do feel like he was able to see his son, the real son, one more time before he went over the border. And I think that's when he fell off the face of the earth. I see that he used to be more involved in a social job. I feel like he really did struggle with money a lot. I even feel like he had a pretty bad gambling addiction. I also see he drank and smoked a lot of his money away. I feel like he owed a lot of people money, which is another reason he fled to the USA. And I feel as though he had some family members out in the USA and they were able to help him out. I feel as though he now has a job, but it might be a job doing something like stealing cars. He does not have a proper visa, but I do feel like he may be under the identity of somebody who has died. I keep seeing Ariel also has the identity of somebody else who has died, and I think his name changed yet again. I feel as though Ariel is subject to a lot of gang-related things. I also feel like he feels like these people killed his parents secretly. I don't understand why he has yet to be able to kind of look on the internet and look this up, but he is 15, and maybe it'll happen one day. I think he's a bit disconnected from the social side of things. But then again, there really isn't a lot of stuff out there about Ariel either. Exactly. 
Do they come and visit Canada at all? (laughs) Definitely not. They are still in the USA, do not plan to return. If anything, I believe the guy who stole him may end up going to jail a few times. I also see that Ariel is surrounded by many other people, including some other kids that are more of, you know, family members that are technically not biologically related to him, but think they are. Although they don't know that this kid is not his child, they really do think that this is his biological child. So nobody knows the story and nobody questions it either. That's so crazy. You'd mentioned earlier that Ariel is rather tall. How tall would you say he is now? He's hitting that five foot nine, I would say. I feel as though he's going to be even taller. I'd say six foot something, six foot three. He's growing into his full age. But right now I would say he's about five nine. I do feel as though he attends a physical school now, and I'd say, you know, he's in high school. He does like school. I feel like he has some friends. I feel as though the confusion that I struggle with is social media. I wonder if he ever looks up his parents or ever had that urge. I'm not entirely sure of those details, but there is a reason he hasn't looked into it. Maybe just too painful for him. And from what I see, although he knows a lot of gang-related issues, that his father is involved in, the man pretending to be raising him as biological dad, it makes things more complicated. He calls this guy dad so people don't get confused. And do you think that he will ever be found? I do feel like he could be found. In fact, I feel like he's getting close to finding out what the hell actually happened. Maybe it's based on his age. He sits at the age 15 now, maybe by the age 17. Pretty significant. Maybe there'll be a moment in time where he figures things out. I don't necessarily feel as though he'll make it home the way his family's anticipating. I think a big shock will come when he actually finds out. I feel like he's lived, you know, one third of his life so far with this particular routine now. So when he gets to like maybe his 20th year, I feel like something pretty significant will take place in their relationship. I feel like he may end up having a child before he ends up finding his family. I don't know. When and where it will happen, I just see something happening. It's it's crazy, and it's all over the place, and I'm getting so many weird details, it's hard to put them all together. The main thing that I'm happy about is that he is still alive, and he is not being abused. That's definitely a relief. It really affects us when we do these child cases, and when they don't get to make it home, at least this kid will have an opportunity to potentially make it home, even if he's a full-grown adult. Absolutely. And I don't want to put down the police work that they know they put into it because there are some great strategies. However, not enough resources and not enough time was spent helping. I feel like they focused so heavily on the fact that he drowned that they didn't put the bigger efforts in there provincially to find him. Right. If they would have just listened to the parents when they said that their child was scared of water. If I was a cop, that would have been X'd out of my mind right away. Knowing he's scared of water, he probably isn't going towards the water. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm still really stuck on the fact that they've yet to do any sort of diving, though, if they feel that way, if they feel like he's drowned, why wouldn't they try to go find this body? I also feel like we would eventually revisit this case in the future because there may be some details that the police are keeping under wraps and have yet to reveal, but I feel like there might be a part later on which will make more sense. But right now, I feel like all the details for this particular child is what I have. I wish I had more. I will try my hardest to keep trying for this little guy. I know he's practically a man now, but if you ever do happen to stumble across my podcast episode, just know that your family loves you and they're still alive and you remember your name, you remember who you once were because, you know, you think about them all the time and you speak French. So there's a part of you there. You know, that was my thing. Like, I was thinking about that. Like, this little boy spoke only French. 
Well, I don't think he only spoke French. It was... But he's, yeah, he's, he's bilingual. He's in Montreal in French, but you still have that accent. Going over to the U.S., French is not even a... Like, you could be picked out of a crowd very quickly with that accent because it's mainly English or Spanish there. Well, the thing is, this guy could come up with a story because, you know, oh, my kid went to French immersion because that's all over Ontario. It's all over everywhere in Canada. I, I just don't know if this guy would particularly say, oh, I'm from Canada, if he's on the run from a kidnapped child. Oh, definitely not to people, but I think the family members he's living with, probably. True. Please make sure to share this case, guys, on your Facebook group. Make some comments in the comment section on each and every video so that we can get these podcast episodes out there in a much bigger way so that people can actually see these cases being done and listen to them. We really do feel as though the family is absolutely correct on the abduction of Ariel, and we just want to bring them some justice and bring Ariel back to his family. Exactly. Next week, guys, we will be covering the case of Breonna Taylor. This is a pretty significant case in Black History Month, and it made some big headways, and we want to talk about it in further detail. Absolutely. This case is something that I have personally been looking forward to to cover for quite some time now, so I'm glad we're going to be doing that. 